Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. This is the Lakers Nation offseason live show. My name is Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com. Make sure if you're watching over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you do subscribe. And don't forget to turn on notifications as well. Or if you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We certainly appreciate it. And if you're coming in live from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Fire off your questions and your comments. I'm going to get to a lot of them tonight. We're going to talk about Lakers trade scenarios. We'll talk a little bit about LeBron James, some of his recent statements. We'll also talk a little bit about the NBA draft and what the Lakers could do in free agency. Plenty to dive into, but let's start with this. Team USA, what is happening? Losing two in a row. First to Nigeria and now to Australia. Australia, look, and Nigeria too, I suppose. These teams have legit NBA players on them, but there is no way that a team that starts Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. I mean, the, this team should be able to just roll a ball out there and beat a team that's starting Patty Mills and Joe Ingles and, and Matisse Thibault and right, like good NBA players, but not stars, not anywhere near the level of the guys that the NBA has. So regard or the USA has, Regardless of whether or not Team USA has it all together, has all their plays figured out and all that, they should be able to just roll a ball out there and win fairly easily. And yet they are not accomplishing that. And it's pretty easy to see that they do not have the kind of chemistry that they need right now. Can they pick it up for the Olympics? We'll have to wait and see. Fortunately, these are still just exhibition games. But so far, doesn't look so good. They certainly look pretty disjointed for the moment. But we'll see how they respond from here. All right, let's chat a little bit about the Lakers. There's a lot going on, and I guess we'll start with this. LeBron James made a comment today about how he wants to retire as a Laker. Music to my ears. Um, Maybe not a surprise. I mean, given that LeBron is 36 years old, heading towards 37. I mean, he probably wasn't going to go anywhere else. And we knew that heading into the season, heading into his tenure with the Lakers when he signed that four-year deal then he's probably not going to go somewhere else. His family's settled in Los Angeles. You have all the extra things that LA provides. Um, But still good to hear. Still good to hear that he wants to retire as a Laker. But what got me is he started talking about how many years he could play. You know, maybe it's it's three more years. Maybe it's four more years, five more years, six, seven. How many more years can LeBron realistically play and still be effective. I talked about this earlier tonight with uh, with Ron Gutterman. We put out a video on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, and he was asking, I was asking him that same question, how many more years can LeBron play? And I think people are writing off LeBron. Honestly, when I look around the NBA, when I look at you know different message boards and things like that, when I look at comments on Twitter, all over the place, go up on Reddit, I see fans of other teams that see the Lakers as this team that's on this major downtrend that the window is closing, that they just don't have that many more opportunities to win. And all like, we're completely forgetting that LeBron was the MVP this season, right? Before he got hurt, he was the MVP. He was going to win that award. And then Solomon Hill rolled up on his ankle. And again, I don't want to make it sound like we're taking anything away from Nikola Jokic. He had a tremendous season, but LeBron was going to win MVP. If LeBron played the rest of the season, he was winning the MVP. He was winning it handily in every single poll that was out there. LeBron was the MVP up until the point of injury. So we're looking at him, we're saying, oh, you know, he's he's about done. I wouldn't put it past him to play 
several more years. Now, the question is, how many more years can he play at a high level? How many more years can he be MVP caliber? And it's fair to say those days are certainly numbered, but I don't think we've seen the end of LeBron in the NBA, assuming he wants to. There's some guys who, once they start to slip a little bit, once their powers begin to wane, they uh, they decide, you know what? I don't want to be doing this night in and night out. All the treatment I have to go through just to get my body prepared and ready to be out there on the floor. But if LeBron wants to continue playing, I think he can still play in this game for quite a while. All right, let me get into some of your questions and comments here. A lot of people saying we need more shooting. Yeah, look, I mean, whether it is via trade or free agency, number one on the Lakers list this offseason, and pretty much irregardless of position, is shooting. They have to find shooting. That's what they need. And it wasn't just that they didn't have shooting this last season. Of course, there was injury. I think injuries were the number one reason why they got bounced out of the first round. I still believe Anthony Davis is healthy. The Lakers are playing in the NBA Finals right now. I don't see the Phoenix Suns stopping Anthony Davis. He was the antidote to so much of what they provided. Look, when AD was playing, the Lakers were up 2-1 to in the series. I think they were going to win that series with a healthy Anthony Davis, but that did not wind up happening. Uh, But the shooting was a problem, and it really got magnified that in the playoffs, the shooting completely fell off a cliff, right? I mean, we kept saying all season long, if they can finally get some shots to start dropping... Come playoff time, they're going to be just fine. We saw shooting slumps for a number of players. Contavious Caldwell-Pope went through a bad one. Markeith Morris was like one for 27 at one point shooting from three. Instead, what happened was they got to the playoffs and completely plummeted. Just fell off a cliff. Kyle Kuzma shot 17% from three in the playoffs. KCP, the best three-point shooter on the team, 41% for the season. 21, 22% off the top of my head? Yeah, terrible three-point shooting in the playoffs. In fact, the old, there were two players who shot above their season average in the playoffs for the Lakers, too. Marcus shot way above. He was like 66% from three, right? Obviously not sustainable. LeBron shot 1% above. He's 36% in the season, shot 37% in the playoffs. Every other player on the roster shot well below their average come playoff time. You need guys who not only can shoot, but can shoot come playoff time. And I thought the Lakers had some guys who could do that. I thought, look, Alex Caruso, he's been there. He'll knock them down. KCP, he's been there. He'll knock some down. Kyle Kuzma. Didn't happen though. The Suns willingly gave up three point shots. Just said, go ahead, guys, keep shooting. Until you can start making them, we're not going to guard you out there. And so the Lakers couldn't. They kept shooting up and they could not make them. So yes, shooting is a big priority on the market, whether it comes via trade, whether it comes via free agency, whether it's at the center position, point guard, whatever, they need shooting. Uh, Black Mamba824 from YouTube says, we need Patty Mills, LMAO. You know what? I Kidding aside, Patty Mills would not be a bad option for the Lakers. This is a veteran. He's been in the NBA for a while. He has a knack for hitting big shots. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, again, it depends on the price tag, right? The Lakers have a very, very limited amount of spending power this offseason, but he's out of the market. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. Would not mind going for him. Uh, Ash Body from uh, YouTube said, Hey, Trevor, would Malik Beasley or Gary Harris be a good option if a Buddy Heel trade doesn't work out? 
Yeah, uh, look, either one of those guys could be. Gary Harris, his shot kind of abandoned him a bit this last season. He got It got to a point where he was better as a defender than as a shooter, which isn't, kind, isn't really what we knew him as coming into the NBA. But he's certainly a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, he's with the Orlando Magic right now. Uh, Malik Beasley, he's got some off-court issues going on, but uh, but certainly has showed he can play very, very well in a young player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't know what the asking price would be. Maybe it's a little bit tough to get him right now because of some other issues. But again, could be an option. Could be an option if you're looking for shooting for the Lakers somewhere that you could uh, you could turn. Somebody said trade Trevor Lane to CP3. Does that mean four CP3 or two? Like you're trading me to Chris Paul? Like whatever team Chris Paul goes to, that's where I go as well? If it's four CP3, yes. I'll drive myself to the airport if that means the Lakers get a point guard the caliber of Chris Paul. I will make that sacrifice for Lakers Nation 100%. Uh, John Thomas said, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, look, the Lakers, I, I, I do want to talk about this. The center market. I love it. I love the center market. I'm not saying that there's a ton of great players out there, but there's depth. There's a lot of guys out there on the market, and that is great for a Lakers team that has a very limited amount of spending power, aside from the mid-level exception and the veteran exception. Those are the two exceptions they can use because they are going to be an over-the-cap team. So if you're looking for guys to take less and, and play for you because you're going to offer them the veteran exception, the which is the, the lowest amount you can offer them, well... And what you want, the veteran minimum, what you want is a lot of depth at a position. You want there to be a lot of competition at those positions that there's not that many spots. You want to have more players than there are openings available in the NBA at the position that you need. And I think that's the case right now with the center position. Somebody's going to take a veteran minimum deal. In fact, I think multiple players are going to take the veteran minimum. So if you're somebody where you say, hey, I really want it. And again, the guys at the top are going to cost you. Rashawn Holmes, tremendous. You're not going to get him for the veteran minimum. But if the Lakers just say, look, we need a body in there that can play 20 minutes a night for us, eat up some minutes at the center position, block some shots, do some standard big man things, I think they're going to find somebody. And it's the kind of scenario where you say, okay, we met Cody Zeller. He got a little bit more than the veteran minimum. We didn't get him. Bummer. Cross him off. Go to the next guy on the list. There's a lot of players at the center position that can provide those things. So I'm really interested in the center market and seeing where the Lakers can maybe save some money. Yeah, that, and that does probably mean Andre Drummond going elsewhere. He's already made comments about not wanting to. He said this on Instagram, not wanting to take the veteran minimum. It depends on what else is out there to spend on at the guard spot and the wing spots. But I could see a scenario where the Lakers are not big spenders on the at the center position, and that could lead to Andre Drummond going elsewhere. I don't think Andre Drummond is as bad as everyone makes him out to be, or as some people do anyway. I would certainly gladly take him back at the veteran minimum, but just given the, the Lakers salary constraints, I think they're going to have to play it cheap somewhere. And if I'm going to play it cheap anywhere right now, it's the center position where the Lakers are going to just going to slide AD Anthony Davis over to the five come playoff time. Anyway, somebody said, I'll take D 12 back. Yeah. Dwight, Dwight Howard. Sure. He'll, he'll be out there on the market. Right? You could try just turning to him and say, hey, Dwight, come on back. We'll take you back, and uh, you can eat up 15 to 20 minutes a night at center. Be that physical presence for us, and uh, that's all we need. Oh, good question here. Alex Ode, 
going uh we're going to NBA draft here right now from YouTube said would you rather draft Trey or Chris Duarte? This is tough. This is a really tough question. And look, if it's the kind of thing where realistically, realistically, if both are on the board, you're you're in good shape, right? Like if both of these guys are out there on the board right now, then you're pretty you're pretty happy. And I would actually be a little bit surprised if both are there for the Lakers to pick from. Okay, that's that's where I'm at. I'm trying to pull up a few stats here while I'm while I'm discussing them, but. Um, all in all, I really like Trey Murphy. I like him a lot. Uh, I like what he brings at at six, eight, seven foot wingspan. He's the, the, he is a three and D player through and through. He's a guy who can defend guys on the perimeter. He, I love the way he moves his hips very well defensively. That helps out a lot. He is, um, He's kind of similar to like a Mikhail Bridges in my mind. Now, they're not the same player, but I'm saying in terms of role, he could kind of be that, I think, for the Lakers. And I like that he's plug and play. Like you could put him in right now and the things that he does well would translate. So I really like that about Trey Murphy III. On the other hand, Chris Duarte just has that flair. His shooting ability is so impressive. You could run him off of screens. I don't know that you could run Trey Murphy off of screens the same way that you can Duarte. Uh, Duarte older, 24 years old. I Not the defender that I think that Trey Murphy can be. It's so close. I probably lean Trey Murphy a little bit because of the defensive versatility and what I think that would offer in Frank Vogel's defensive schemes. Um, but it's very, very close. And honestly, if the Lakers walked away with either guy coming out of the draft, I think that would be tremendous. Uh, Jorge Jovel said from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you. I uh, said, what up, Trev? What up? Let's play couch GM. What moves do you make? If you're Palenka at the start of free agency roster moves, top to bottom 22nd pick included. Oh boy. Okay. So I've gone over this a little bit on a few shows, but what I'm looking for is I'm trying to figure out where guys are at. And this is something that I think, and I'm, I'm probably going to do a video on this pretty soon. Montrez Harrell's situation is extremely complicated for the Lakers. And when I say extremely complicated, I mean, his decision is pretty simple, opt in, opt out. But in terms of the Lakers options and how many of them depend on that decision and when that decision comes, it makes things kind of difficult. So last year we were doing the same thing, though, with JaVale McGee. Is he going to opt in? Is he going to opt out? We didn't know. Draft day is the 29th. Franz doesn't have to make his decision until the 31st. Yeah. That's that's a tough spot to be in because if you're the Lakers on draft day, if Trez is opting in, you might want to know that so you can use his salary in a trade. If he's not, you probably want to know that as well. But he might not tell you yet. We saw that with JaVale McGee last year. The Lakers didn't know for sure whether he was opting in or opting out. And that's his right. That's the player's right. But that's going to complicate things. So I'm still looking for guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, Alex Caruso, I want to bring both those guys back, um, obviously within reason. Uh, I think THT being restricted definitely helps. Uh, look, the Lakers, he was the sticking point in the Kyle Lowry deal. I don't see how you can make him the sticking point to prevent you from getting Kyle Lowry and then not keep him around long-term. I think you keep him long-term, you buy into the work ethic, you buy into the character, you buy into the skill set, and you keep him. THT, hanging on to him. Caruso, same thing. 
unless somebody goes crazy. If somebody goes crazy out there and offers him like 14 million or something, well, there's got to be a breaking point, right? Because the reality is that Alex Caruso, as much as we love him, he is a tremendous player in a system, okay? And I'm not saying he's reliant on that system, but he's a guy who has to be part of a team that is ready to win. He's a guy who plays at his best when the other players around him are better than he is, when he can just focus on doing the little things. That is the brilliance of his game. He puts himself in the right spot at the right time. He makes hustle plays. He can he can hit some timely shots, and he's a very smart cutter off the ball when the opponent's attention is focused elsewhere. When you're asking Caruso to run things, when you're putting the spotlight on him, he isn't nearly as effective. And so I think for the Lakers, it's important to remember that and understand that when you're looking at how much you're going to spend. Again, if it's like $10 million, sign me up. Yeah, bring him back. Okay, Dennis Schroeder, very complicated situation. If you can find a sign-and-trade for him, I'm not opposed to that, especially if you can line something up to land a replacement point guard. I think there were some things that just didn't quite work with Dennis Schroeder, not the way we hoped to. I think he's better than some people think he is right now. I think a lot of people are down on him based on what we saw in the playoffs, and I think he is a little bit better than that. But if he wants to get paid, paid, I think we've seen fairly definitively that he's not a top-tier point guard. And we thought that coming into the season, but he had his opportunities to prove himself. If he wants $25 million a season, which is what's rumored, 20 to $25 million, he had his chances. Prove it. Great. If you want that much money, show that you are worth that much. Because what you don't want to do is sign Dennis Schroeder and have it immediately be a bad contract. Now, the challenge is, if you're going to lose him, and if you're going to say, you know what, we can't pay that much, you want to be able to get something in return. And that means finding a sign and trade. I think if you can't find a sign and trade, you have to consider finding some way to hang on to him. Um, And that's a very, very delicate line to walk. If you can't come to an agreement financially, though, there's some scenarios out there where the landing spots for free agent point guards dry up very quickly. And then Schroeder's left without a team to go to. And that could bring him back to the Lakers as well. It all comes down to the number for me with Schroeder, though. If you can get him on a reasonable deal, and I'm talking about not $20 million a season, then you probably bring him back. And at worst, if it doesn't work out, you can always trade him. Right? That's a, that you're, it's going to be a movable contract. If you go pay him twenty five, though, and it doesn't work out, you could be stuck with a negative value deal where you have to give something up in order to move him. So... The, the Schroeder situation, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tricky one. And I think it's the biggest question of the offseason to see what happens there. Uh, as far as guys that I'm pursuing, I saw Hassan Whiteside get mentioned earlier. Sure, that's a guy that uh, that you could definitely look at. Uh, he would certainly come on the cheap. That's somebody that I'm that I'm looking for. Guys who are um, not going to eat up your full, full mid-level. Because I don't know if you re-sign Caruso, if you re-sign THT, and if you bring back Schroeder, you're going to be real close to where... If you use your mid-level exception and you trigger a hard cap, you're stuck. And so I think it's going to be critical for the Lakers to figure out if they can assemble a roster without triggering the hard cap so they can continue uh, using those veteran minimums. If the hard cap is set at $141 million and they're at 139 and they only have 13 roster spots filled out, they're done. The veteran minimum would take them over, over the hard cap, so they can't use it. If they don't trigger the hard cap, though, by using their mid-level exception or accepting a player in a sign-and-trade, then you could continue adding. You could take your salary up to $150 million if you wanted to. Just keep signing veteran minimum, guys. So that's a flexibility that I think I'd like to see the Lakers have this season that they didn't. So unless it's a home-run move, 
I'm probably not going to trigger that hard cap. I'm going to try to find bargains out there. I'm going to look for shooters. If you can find veterans, you go for it. A guy like, uh, say, a Wayne Ellington, someone like that. I do my best to bring back Ben McLemore. But again, I'm looking for guys that will take a cheap dollar amount in terms of their contract and come back and help you out there. So that's that's my biggest plan. I'm also looking for trades for Kyle Kuzma. I think there might be some opportunities out there. That's probably my home run move. My most realistic move is probably to go after Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings. If it means moving the 22nd pick in the NBA draft, I think it's something I have to consider. But I also think, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a bit, the Lakers with their draft pick, I'm seeing a lot of fans throwing in their first round pick as though it doesn't have that much value. Okay, I'm seeing some people go the other way who are overvaluing the pick and thinking that, oh, just throw in the first and that gets you Damian Lillard. No, but I'm seeing a lot of people just throwing it in as though it's nothing. And it's not. It has some value. Now, the draft does have that hit or miss element to it. And of course, the Lakers are a team that's ready to win right now. So you can say if you're taking on a project, by the time that guy's ready to go, LeBron might be done anyway. So is that something you really want to do? But I can say that there are some players out there in the draft that I think can help. Okay, Trey Murphy the third being an example that can help you out in the near term. So I don't want to look at that draft pick and say it's nothing or undervalue it in any way because the Lakers have proven that they're pretty good at finding guys at that area of the draft. Uh, it's always pop. Maybe he winds up, whoever they get there, winds up being a Mo Wagner where it just doesn't quite click. But you look at everybody else they've got. Al Kuzma, Evita Zubats, Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker, Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, right? Like they've found a number of guys at that point in the draft that have really helped teams. And so I am not, I'm going to value that pick. I'm not going to look at that pick as nothing. It's just something to throw in as a sweetener to get a deal done. I'm going to value that pick. If I can find a way to make a move without trading that pick, I'm going to do it so I can keep a rookie on a cost controlled contract. All right. That's my basic plan there. Gabriel Velasquez. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. It just flew past me and it flew off my screen. I'll go back and see if I can find it. Renee Vandervelden said, why can't NBA players restructure contracts? Um, It's because it is not like the NFL. The NBA players union is very, very strong, uh, unlike the NFLs. And so what that means is that these guys, uh, their their union would not allow that to be put into, uh, into their agreements. There's no way because then teams would start putting pressure on players. And as soon as one player did it, right? Like, let's say LeBron restructured his contract. You know, other teams around the NBA would be going to their stars and they would be saying, hey, this guy just restructured his contract. Why don't you? If LeBron did it to, move, to free up some space to help us out, why won't you do that? The, the NBA, they don't want that. The Players Association, they certainly do not want that. So that's that's the reason why you don't see that happening. Okay. And again, obviously, it's something that happens in the NFL quite a bit. Uh, John Solis with a super chat from YouTube. Thank you. Hi, Trevor. What are we hearing about the possibility of Lonzo Ball coming back? I think he fits the Lakers. He can shoot past defend, only 23 years old. So, John, I agree. Uh, I, I think he would be a great fit. Like, if you told me right now, you can trade, just straight up swap out Schroeder for Lonzo, I would do it in a heartbeat. 100%, I would say yes. Let's do this. No take backs. I would do that swap. Um, Lonzo, his three-point shot has come around. I saw a video today where his, his jumper has even been adjusted even further, where it looks pretty normal 
at this point, or relatively normal anyway. Remember how goofy it used to look? Now it looks a lot better. And uh, so, yeah, I would definitely take back Lonzo Ball, but I don't think the Lakers are going to get him. I don't think it's going to happen because he's a restricted free agent. So the Pelicans can match any offer. You could say maybe you can work out a sign-and-trade, but then you're triggering the hard cap by accepting a player in a sign-and-trade scenario. I think there's going to be enough of other options out there on the point guard market, including Dennis Schroeder, that I don't know if you if you take on that negative of creating the uh, the hard cap. You can't just go spend on him in free agency. It's not like you can offer him $20 million. The most the Lakers could offer him was the mid-level exception. The Pelicans would match that in a heartbeat. So the only scenario is a sign-and-trade, and I don't know if the Lakers have a lot that the Pelicans would want in a sign-and-trade. You can say double sign-and-trade with Dennis Schroeder. Do the Pelicans really need another point guard? Do they actually want Schroeder? Do they even want to speak to the Lakers anymore? Uh, there's a lot to consider there. I'd say it's extremely unlikely that the Lakers get Lonzo, but I do love the fit. Uh, Anna Kat Mohan from YouTube. Trev, can you talk about how dysfunctional the team was with everyone complaining about their roles now? So everyone, um, I don't know that everyone was, um, Kyle Kuzma complained, Andre Drummond complained, Montrezl Harrell, right? Those are the guys that have complained. Now, Andre Drummond came back and he said, oh, I was just messing with you all, right? He said he was just trying to drum up interest in, drum up, uh, no pun intended there, interest in his NFT that he was launching. Either Andre Drummond is a marketing genius or he's lying in either sense. I guess it doesn't matter that much, but regardless, we've had a few players complain about their roles. Um, I can't say that any of them are wrong though. That's the thing. Like Kyle Kuzma, his role has literally changed every season he's been with the Lakers. So four years in the NBA, each and every one, his role has changed. Okay. This year it changed drastically. Not only was it, all right, you're not really going to be a scorer anymore. Now you're going to be more of a floor spacer, a three and D style wing defender. That's what we need you to be now. And Kuzma, to his credit, said, okay. And he did his best at it. And I thought he actually was okay this season. Now, playoffs notwithstanding. And I thought he finished the season a little bit rough. But for the most part, I thought he was fine this season. Uh, But he was also asked to play small forward. And think about that. He went from being a power forward his first three years to pretty much a small forward almost exclusively this season. That's a massive change. So I think we can understand why Kyle Kuzma would be a little bit frustrated at the same time. Do the Lakers need the things that he's working on, right? He's working on his ball handling. That's great for him. Do the Lakers need him to be better handling the basketball? Are there scenarios where they're going to ask him to do that? Maybe, but Maybe not. I mean, let's face it. LeBron's going to have the ball a lot. If they re-sign Dennis Schroeder, he'll have the ball a lot. You could argue Taylor Horton Tucker might have the ball more than uh, than Kuzma will, depending on how THT develops. So I don't know that that's what you really need from him. So when I look at Kuzma and I look at Andre Drummond and him complaining about minutes, look, Drummond also has a little bit of a grief, not during the regular season. 25 minutes a game during the regular season, no reason to complain there. But he was the only DNP coach's decision in the final game of the, of the of the playoffs. So maybe a little bit of grief there. Montrez Harrell, his minutes evaporated once Andre Drummond came on board. And, and Montrez Harrell, he looked like he was a lock for a big contract. In March, he averaged 20 and 8. He helped the Lakers stay afloat. 20 and 8. And then his minutes got cut. These guys have reason to be frustrated. Okay? 
So when, I, when we talk about, oh, they're complaining, was that bad for team chemistry? Yes, but they're also not wrong. Now, last season, the difference was everyone knew their role and everyone was willing to sacrifice whatever. For Dwight and JaVale, if that meant sitting on the bench during a whole playoff series and just being the best cheerleaders they could be, more than happy to do it because the sacrifice meant championship. This season, we didn't quite see that buy-in. And I think there's a lot of factors in that. But again, hopefully next season they can fix these things. I do think of those guys, Rez, Brumid, Kuzma, it's very possible that none of them are Lakers next season. Very possible. Uh, somebody said injuries are even worse for team chemistry. Yeah, like that's the other thing, right? And people will say, oh, it's just an excuse. The Lakers didn't have an opportunity to really understand how to play together. That was some of the frustration we saw in exit interviews where players kept saying, look, we never got a chance to find out how good this team is. We don't know. On paper, they're a championship contender. But who knows if, if they would have actually been able to pull it off. We never got to really see them at full strength. Early in the season, they looked great. And then the injuries started to pile up. Kind of rough when you don't have the full roster. Right? I mean, we kept saying for months, we were saying, okay, if they can get a couple of weeks before the playoffs of everybody healthy, they can get some chemistry, some time to gel. Okay, if they can get a week before the playoffs with everybody healthy. Oh, that's not going to, okay. Uh, shooters under COVID protocols. Okay, if they can just have everybody healthy for the playoffs. Oh, no, that's not going to work either. Okay, LeBron's still hurting with the ankle. Oh, no, Anthony Davis is hurt. It was one thing after another. After It's really hard to build chemistry when players are constantly shuffling in and out. And people get on Frank Vogel for the rotations. And you can say, Trez deserved more minutes. You can say, Kyle Kuzma should have had a, a different role. You can say all these things, right? And there's some credibility to that. I'm not saying don't criticize Frank Vogel. What I'm saying is, we also have to understand that he didn't have a full team to play with. It's hard to ask for consistent rotations when you don't have players there consistently. I think it's something that we have to consider when we're looking at Frank Vogel. By the way, where's his extension? Still waiting. Haven't seen it yet. I think it's, I think it's still coming, but we'll see. Davis Painter from YouTube. Trevor Carmelo would be such a good fit alongside LeBron and AD. Uh, it depends on whether or not he can really settle in defensively. That's the big question. Like, you know he can score the basketball, but can he make the right reads on the defensive end of the floor? Can he be average on defense? If he can, I think the Lakers have needed some scoring punch at times, and maybe you could turn to him. But again, it's got to be a veteran minimum deal. And uh, yeah, look, if it's a veteran minimum, yeah, sign me up. No problem. The risk is... Zero. If you don't, if you if you're not hard capped, and you sign him for a veteran minimum, you're risking nothing. So why not? All right. Somebody's asking. Okay, Will from YouTube said, "What do you think of trading Kuz, Trez, this year's pick, and next year's second round pick?" to Portland for McCollum. Also, we could offer the same in a trade, a sign and trade for DeRozan. Um, all right, so I don't have the math in front of me on McCollum's contract, CJ McCollum. Look, if you can get that, 
you do it 10 times out of 10. You do that instantly and you run away. But it's it like Portland's gonna want more, especially if they're trading with the Lakers. And here's why I I, I really address this question. Montrez Harrell has a say here. Because if he catches wind, hey, if you opt in, the Lakers are going to trade you to Portland. And he thinks, man, I don't want to go to Portland. He's just going to opt out. He's not going to opt in, right? The Lakers need his cooperation in order to trade him. And maybe you will get that. The Lakers have a great relationship with Clutch Sports. I think it's clear that Trez is not thrilled with the Lakers. But maybe because of the relationship with Clutch Sports, Clutch and the Lakers can work together to get Trez someplace he wants to go, right? And that might not even be just him picking up the option. That could actually be him opting out and then operating a sign-and-trade with the Lakers. The Lakers can start him on a new deal at about $11 million, right? And that's something we talked about a while ago, a few months ago, when we thought the Lakers might still want to keep him, was how much they could actually give him. Remember, there was a point in time where we said the Lakers are not going to be able to give Trez enough. There's going to be bigger offers for him out there on the market. Again, 20-8 and eight in March, and then everything fell apart. So I don't know what the offers are going to look like out there for him, but perhaps there's a world where Trez opts out and he needs the Lakers help in a sign and trade situation. Maybe that's something like what happens here. That would have to be the hope for the Lakers. I don't see him coming back next season. Never say never in the NBA. Weird things happen, but things didn't work out very well this season. Not the way things ended anyway. Chaco Thunder said the math does not match. CJ is almost at 30 million. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so in that case, Kuzma, Trez, you're at about 23. You'd have to add in another contract there in order to make it happen. So again, Kuzma and KCP, that gets you a bit closer. Then maybe you're in business. But again, does Portland want to trade him? And if they want to trade him, do they want to trade him for what the Lakers can offer? I think you've got some big questions. Just making the math work doesn't mean the value is there for either side. Uh, Robert Gonzalez, hey, Trevor, does Trez have a no-trade clause in his second-year player option? So he had a de facto no-trade clause. I call it a de facto no-trade clause anyway with his one-plus-one deal because the NBA, until that second-year option is picked up, the NBA looks at it as a one-year deal, which means that if Trez were to get traded, he would have been losing his bird rights, which means he has the right to nullify a trade, to say, no, I don't want to be traded. Um, That's something that we have seen come up a few times. Once he picks up that option, he no longer has that. So a great example, JaVale McGee had the same type of contract, a one plus one that Trez has right now. So JaVale, last season, the Lakers would have needed his permission to trade him anywhere. But as soon as he picked up that second year option last summer or last fall, I guess it was, as soon as he picks up that second year player option, the Lakers can now trade him. That now, now he didn't have that because his bird rights would go with it. Um, so that's the way it worked. Um, so as soon if Trez does pick up that option for a second year at 9.7 ish million, then he would immediately be trade eligible. He would have no say in where he goes. That's, that's the way that works. Uh, a comment from YouTube said, Hey, Trev, can the Lakers sign Derek Rose, Hassan Whiteside and trade for Buddy Heald while keeping Caruso and THT? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's possible. So here's how it would have to happen. Derek Rose, you would have to sign for something less than the taxpayer mid-level exception in order to avoid triggering a hard cap. So let's say you signed him for $5 million. Now, would he take that? I'm not getting into that, but let's just say say he would. Hassan Whiteside, let's say you get him for the veteran minimum. 
Okay, which then if you don't trigger the hard cap, you can sign as many veteran minimum contracts as you want and then trade for Buddy Heald. Yeah, all you need to trade for Buddy Heald, uh, he's going to make a little over $20 million. Kyle Kuzma and another contract. Say Trez opts in. He wants to go to Sacramento. Send him there. Done deal. That's how that would work. So yes, it, it is possible. I would not say that's likely, but it's possible to, to do that. Uh, my email, Trevor, we still title favorites based on the odds that came out today, actually. The Nets are the favorites to win next year's NBA championship, but second behind the Nets as the most likely to win it are indeed your Lakers. Now, if you ask me, are they the favorites? I, It's hard to say right now. The Lakers have so many players who are free agents. I, I wouldn't even be able to put a number on it because who knows what's going to happen this offseason. We really have to see how things play out before we figure out, that out. Uh, Ricky Garcia, can the Lakers sign veteran minimums and then use their mid-level exception or be involved in a sign-and-trade? Uh, no. No. So if – okay, I shouldn't say no. Yes, if using that mid-level exception would not put you over a hard cap, which you would trigger by signing it. Does that make sense? So if you use veteran minimums up to $138 million and the hard cap, if you were to trigger it, is at 141 you can't then go and sign – somebody using your full mid-level exception of almost $10 million. Because you trigger a hard cap, it would immediately nullify that deal. So that's the way that would work. You wouldn't be able to do that. Now, if you signed a few better minimums and your salaries, let's say they equaled $120 million, and then you want to go use the, the full mid-level, and that's going to take you up to about 130 and you trigger a hard cap 141 sure, you're fine. No problem there. Ryan Craig. Uh, Trevor, who's the best player we can realistic, realistically get at a third option? Um, I think it might be Colin Sexton, guys. I really think that that might be the guy you go after. I mean, he's still young. He's in his early 20s. Shot 37% from three last season, 47% from the field. You might say he's not a stu- super superstar, right? He's not a top-tier guy, and that's fine. But I would really be interested if I'm the Lakers in a deal that sees me absorb Kevin Love's salary if it has to, if I have to. Um, that's not something you want to do. But if it means getting Colin Sexton, I really wonder, can he be that guy moving forward? Can he be that guy alongside Anthony Davis? Um, it intrigues me. And I'm not saying it's a smash except, yes, you definitely 100% go all in and do this. But it's something you have to consider. And if it's not Colin Sexton, Buddy Heald, I think, is another guy. Maybe Harrison Barnes. Those are some guys that you could look at. Malcolm Brogdon would be tremendous if you can get him from the Pacers, which I don't know if you can. But those are that's kind of the caliber player that you're looking at. A guy who's not a clear-cut star. You're not going to go get a Damian Lillard. You're not going to go get a Bradley Beal or guys like that. You're just, you don't have enough to go get those guys. And you might not have enough to go get the guys I'm talking about either. It's possible somebody offers more than the Lakers can for Colin Sexton. It's possible somebody offers more for Buddy Heald. But I think those are guys that are at least within the realm of possibility. Uh, Let's see here.
Space Labs from YouTube. Hey, Trevor, do you think THT can be a regular starter already? Uh, if he's the same as he was last season, no. But that's not what I anticipate. I think we're going to see a much more polished THT coming into next season. I would not write him off as a starter for next season, but I also wouldn't say it's likely. If he takes a big leap with his shooting this offseason, if he can get up to league average, that would be a massive leap, by the way, guys. That almost unheard of. To go from 28% from three up to about 35 36%, a major leap. But if he can really get his game to come around this offseason, I am not going to say it's impossible. But he's got a long way to go to get there. So I would say most likely not. But I want to leave that little bit of possibility because we've seen he is already hard at work on his game. He looks tremendous. And this is a kid whose trajectory is going up and going up fast. So I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'll say it's unlikely. Uh, Gabriel Velasquez from YouTube with Super Chat. Thank you. Said, chance of getting Miles Turner based on their assets if they get Turner is Sexton still an option? Why isn't Otto Porter Jr. being discussed? Okay. Uh, chance of getting Miles Turner, he's about 18 million or so in salary. It depends on what the Pacers want. You're probably talking about Kuzma, something else, and the pick. Uh, you could, but my question is, do you want to give up those assets at the center position? And I'm not saying, and this isn't about Miles Turner specifically, just in terms of team building theory, if you will, do you want to spend on the center position? It's like It's becoming the equivalent of going to the NFL and asking, do you want to spend on the running back position? My general opinion is no. So if I can allocate, and I like Miles Turner a lot, my goodness, how fearsome would the Lakers rim protection be with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis on the floor together? Talk about no fly zone. But would you rather allocate resources towards the center position, everything you'd have to give up in order to get them, or would you rather chase a guard or a wing, somebody who can really help your three-point shooting. I think it's the latter that you'd rather do. If those things aren't available, maybe on Miles Turner. Uh, if they get Turner, is Sexton still an option? I don't think so. I think you're going to have to give up so many of your assets to get Turner. It would probably take you out of the running for Colin Sexton. It would be great if it wouldn't, but uh, I, I just can't see how they do both. And why is an Otto Porter Jr. being discussed? We don't know what he looks like. I mean, he got hurt. With the Orlando Magic, we thought he was going to have a chance to really show his stuff, and then he gets hurt. Um, is he a guy that I would take a flyer on? Yes. If he will come for the veteran minimum, yes. If he's getting offered more, I don't think you can risk it because the Lakers' resources are so limited. You kind of, if you're going to spend more than veteran minimum on something, you have to know what you're getting. You can't take a big risk with that. I think he would be a great fit. I would love to see it happen. And he's the kind of guy that maybe you take a gamble on the veteran minimum. I am perfectly willing to build to burn a roster spot on him. Like if the Lakers still had their biannual exception, I would go that far. I would use that on him for sure. But I think there's going to be some teams that might be willing to gamble a little bit more. Some teams with cap space that might say, hey, here's 5 million, here's 6 million, maybe 7 million, just to see if they can stumble upon a 3 and D player. I don't know if the Lakers can take that chance. Traco Thunder, I would rather start Alex Caruso than THT, given the choice. Alex Caruso, certainly more stability than Taylor Horton Tucker. I think THT has more upside, and so that's why I'm leaving the possibility out there. But yes, most likely, if it's between the two, Caruso would get the starting nod.
All right. I'm looking through some stuff here. And some of you were asking me to block somebody. I did see that comment and uh, and took care of that. And for good reason. Do not come back. That person's not welcome here. Uh, Mellow Jones from Facebook said, isn't this the last year of the dang contract? Yes, that dang contract. This is the last year of it. $5 million roughly sitting on the Lakers books. Dead money, nothing we can do to move it. Unfortunately, you can't trade it. You can't do anything anything with it. It's just $5 million sitting there. But this is the last year. One more. Uh, Will, Trevor, what kind of trade package could we provide for Colin Sexton? Would it be a good idea to include Larry Nance Jr.? I would love to get Larry Nance Jr. He is, let me tell you guys, from interacting with him um, through interviews and things like that, he's a fantastic guy, right? Like, he is... Off the court, he's a good dude, in addition to being a guy that you love watching play out there on the floor. So I would love it. I don't think the Cavs are going to get rid of him, though. But most likely, let's say that, and I went over this in a video earlier today on YouTube, but let's say the Cavs say, no matter what, we need to package Kevin Love and Colin Sexton. If you want Colin Sexton, you have to take Kevin Love off our hands. Kevin Love's making about $31 million this season. That's a lot. Colin Sexton's about 7 Together, they're close to about 39 million. That's a lot. So in order to get there, you would need Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and you need Trez to opt in or opt out and then participate in a sign and trade. So you would need Trez to want to go to Cleveland. Otherwise, you're talking about signing and trading THT, signing and trading Alex Caruso. If I'm the Cavs, I want THT. I'd be trying to get him. Uh, Maybe you have to include your first. It's not easy to get there. But if the Cavs were willing to take a package that included KCP, Kuzma, a either picking up his option or signed and traded Montrez Harrell and say the 22nd pick. I'm probably doing that because I, I like Colin Sexton. I think that he could really be something. And I take the chance on guys that could be a long-term fit for the Lakers like that. Uh, what's up with Gasol? That is another question mark for us. We don't know if Gasol is playing next season. We don't know yet. And he's got time to make it. Look, this is a guy who's been in the league forever. There shouldn't be pressure on him to decide. And he's only on a $2.6 million salary. Worst case, like even if you go, even if you go into free agency and you still don't know, you're not sure. Okay, he's not gonna change things that much for you at 2.6 million. Um, but we don't know if he's gonna play or not. If he is. Sure, can keep him, can keep him around, use him off the bench as a center. I don't think you want to rely on him as a, as your starter, but you got to wait to see what he decides first. Uh, we're going to do a couple more. Somebody asked, will Rich Paul help the Lakers again this season? I sure hope so. I hope so. Uh, update on Anthony Davis's injury. Uh, based on what he said to Dennis Schroeder the other day when they both ran into each other at the Lakers practice facility, it sounds like he's good. He's good. He's back to working out. He said he needed the time off to rest and recover, but he's good to go now. Uh, 
Uh, Bhavan Patel's from Facebook. Drummond is selling Lakers colored NFTs. I think he's staying. I noticed that as well. Uh, everything is Lakers colors. Don't forget, Rob Palenka used to be his agent. So there's a relationship there already. I worry, and look, again, I like Andre Drummond. Part of me does worry, though, that the Lakers are going to dip into their mid-level exception to keep him, and they're not going to be able to spend elsewhere. I'm curious to see what happens. They've said time and time again that they see him as a long-term piece. And again, I think Drummond is better than some people give him credit for. I personally, if I'm allocating the Lakers' resources, though, I'm not spending on the center position. But I just... Something tells me that they might spend a little bit to keep Drummond. And we'll see. And that may not be the worst thing in the world. Again, I think he's good. I think he's, you know, he's young. He fits Anthony Davis's timeline. If he goes and gets a $10 million offer, dollar offer somewhere, see you later. You know, more power to you. Great. Take that offer. But I think the Lakers do want to keep him. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Stephen Bradley, what is an NFT? That is a completely different show. A non-fungible token, what it stands for. Um, I have not bought any NFTs personally. I haven't gotten into them or anything like that. It's what I understand is it's essentially a digital version of something that you can buy and own. For example, uh, NBA Top Shot, all that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not the guy to explain it, obviously, because I don't own any of them. But it's something you can certainly use Google and find out more about. Hector Gomez, what about bringing back Cousins? You know what? Cousins was was pretty good uh, for the Clippers this season. What we saw in the playoffs, he made a mistake. He made a big mistake on that Jay Crowder inbound pass that we saw, that uh, alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton. That was, man, what an amazing play that was. But um, but look, Boogie, still pretty good, still pretty productive. If he wanted to come back and said better, better minimum, sure, worth a shot. Uh, Robert Gonzalez, hey, Trevor, do you think the Lakers should target Bobby Portis? Uh, I think he's probably going to get more than what the Lakers can offer at the veteran minimum. Do you want to dip in your mid-level exception? Maybe, but he's done pretty well in Milwaukee. I think he's probably going to stay there with the Bucks. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> like, give me Lillard. <laughs> I like that username from YouTube. Said, Trevor, I love your videos. Anyways, can Lakers go over the cap to trade for players like they can go over the cap to resign? Um, in a way, in a way they can. Uh, as Within reason, you have to be within a certain percentage. I believe it's 125% in order to trade. So let's say in order to make a deal work, you're an over-the-cap team and you trade away $28 million in salaries and you take back 30. You're going over the cap there. You're adding on to your money, but you're close enough to make the trade work, the the trade parameters work. So that's the way you can do that. Um, Otherwise you can't, like if you are, let's say you're the Knicks and you have 53-ish million in cap space and the Knicks want to, out of the goodness of their hearts, 
absorb Kevin Love's $30 million. And they're going to offer a protected second round pick. So basically nothing for Kevin Love. They can do that. They don't have to send out any salary. They can just absorb him into their cap space and everything's good. The Cavs would go wild. They would celebrate. Um, They can do that. If you're an over-the-cap team, though, your trade has to be within a certain percentage in order to make it work. Uh, So that's the way you can go over the cap a little bit by taking back slightly more money. But if it's like you're sending out $28 and bringing back $45 no, you can't do that. Alan said, hey, Trevor, what would be the perfect trade for the Lakers this offseason for you? For me, if the Lakers were to make a trade, I'm looking at something for Buddy Heald. I'm looking for Colin Sexton. I'm looking for a player, maybe Malcolm Brogdon. I'm trying to check two boxes at once. And in that being, I'm trying to fit a need right now. And I'm trying to find somebody that works for the future. And I think you checked both of those boxes with Dennis Schroeder last season, right? You got a guy who is young and fits Anthony Davis's timeline and filled the need right now. Now, it didn't work out the way you wanted, but that's the kind of trade that I'm looking for this offseason if you can do it. So you're not going and getting a guy who's 36 and is done in a year or two, right? You're getting a guy who can still be around for the long haul. Uh, Davis Painter, would you rather Kuzma and Trez for Buddy or DeRozan? Awesome office, by the way. Well, thank you. This is actually my temporary office. If you guys go over to my Instagram account, I've got in my Instagram stories right now, uh, some pictures of the new Lakers Nation studio that's being built right up there, actually directly above us. It's being built right now. Uh, should be done in a few weeks. This is So this is sort of a temporary workspace for me for the time being, but new one is being built and uh, should be ready to go pretty soon. But thank you. I tried to set it up a little bit. If you guys could see some of the stuff around, it's, it's not so pretty, I promise you. I've got stuff just stacked up, waiting, getting ready for um, the uh, the final office to be done. But uh, if I could pick Buddy or DeRozan, I'm picking Buddy Heald. Uh, look, a longer-term contract, I don't know. DeRozan's a free agent. If I'm trading Kuzma and Trez, though, I'm going for Buddy Heald because of the three-point shooting. DeRozan is such a fit issue. Buddy Heald is also younger. He is one of the older young players, if that makes sense, because he was an older rookie coming into the NBA. So there's not a huge, say there's not a huge age difference between like Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, which is should be surprising. But uh, but Buddy Heald, I think, is just the better fit. And so that's that's where I'm going with this if I have my pick between the two. Uh, John Macario from Facebook said, draft Sharif Cooper, trade THT, and KCP for a legitimate center. Uh, Sharif Cooper, I like a lot. I like him a lot. I don't know if I like him for the Lakers due to the lack of shooting. But man, he is a wizard with the basketball. His passes are on point. Like if you can get... Could you imagine if you had a running team with Sharif Cooper, a team that loves to fast break? Like, imagine lobs from Sharif Cooper to, like, a Zach Levine, right? Like, if the Bulls got Sharif Cooper, how amazing would that be? Like, that's a great scenario. So, I like him a lot. I don't know if I like him for the Lakers because of the lack of shooting and the lack of size. There is a world where his three-point shot doesn't come around and his defense doesn't come around. Right, And I think it's fairly likely that he will always be some type of defensive liability because he's so small. If the three-point shot doesn't hit, you're, you could be in trouble there. But he's a very talented passer. Again, I don't know if he's the guy I gamble on. Maybe you look at him and you just say, I buy 
if he's there at 22. And most mocks that I see don't have him be there. But if he's there, maybe you just take a gamble and you say he's so good at all these other areas, you just take him. But his weaknesses don't fit what the Lakers need right now. All right, guys, let's do one more. Somebody said Murray can shoot and defend. Yes, that's what I like out of about Trey Murphy. He can really do both of those things. Oh, were we talking Trey Murphy there? Or Jamal Murray. Maybe somebody was talking about Jamal Murray, and I and I mixed, got that mixed up. Any update on if Trez will opt in? No, and he has until the 31st to decide. He has until July 31st. The NBA drafts on the 29th. Most likely we roll into draft night, into draft night trade talks, not knowing whether or not what Trez is doing. That's possible. Now, again, though, clutch, good good. Relationship with the Lakers, maybe they, they'll give him a little heads up. Analog Matrix from YouTube. Signed Madman Mo Wagner. Yeah, he was with um, the Orlando Magic to finish the season. I wouldn't hate to see Mo back. I liked Mo a lot. Um, he never really got it going in the NBA. He had some flashes. But again, if it's a veteran minimum, take a chance on him. All right. One more on this one. What are the odds we keep the pick? So on on the pick, I really do see it as a 50-50, and I know that sounds like a cop-out, but for the Lakers, you've got to weigh a few things here when we're looking at this draft pick. It's not just, do we like the guy that's there? It's also, how do we best use this asset, understanding what assets are lost moving forward? So, If you like a guy that's there and you have a trade that's on the table that might help you, but it gets you a guy who's, say, 35, like, I don't know, Kyle Lowry, right? But let's say you're giving up more than you would like. You have to keep in mind that the Lakers do have some future picks that are lost, okay? Now, the 2022 pick, gone. That goes to the Pelicans. That's done. And no matter what, it goes to the Pelicans. 2023, there's a pick swap. You're going to get a young player in 2023. So that helps. 2024, might go to the Pelicans, but the Pelicans can make it to 2025. Bottom line, between 24 and 25, you're going to get one pick. You'll get one young player there. But so you've missed out now in the next four seasons, three seasons, I guess, on two opportunities to land a young talent. That kind of helps to bolster your roster. That's the way you have sustainability. So you bring in young players, you develop them, and, uh, and off you go. So that's something the Lakers have to consider. If you trade the pick this year, are you getting a guy who's one and done, has one year left in the NBA, maybe two, something like that? Or are you getting a guy who's 26, 27, and is going to stick around for a while? In the latter scenario, it's a little bit easier to move the pick. In the former, where you're getting a veteran, let's say it's P.J. Tucker, right? Just to throw that out there, because Kyle Lowry is so talented, I think that skews things. Let's say it's P.J. Tucker, who's a good 3 and D player, but again, how much longer is he going to last in the NBA? That's where you really have to think, is it worth giving up this pick, knowing that we could draft a guy, let's say Trey Murphy's there, who could be a 3 and D player for us for the next decade in exchange for a guy that we know can help us next season, but we might only get next season. That's where the Lakers have to really consider moving the pick. Again, though, if there's a home run move out there, let's say you're getting a Colin Sexton. Let's say you're getting 
uh, a Buddy Heald, somebody like that, then that kind of skews things towards trading it because you're getting a guy who's young enough where maybe you're not going to keep him for a decade, but you, you could, in theory, have him for five, six, seven seasons. And maybe that's what you need. So that's the way I'm looking at the Lakers draft pick situation. Um, and I think it's um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do on draft night. And it's going to depend on what deals are out there. I think one thing we know for sure out of all of this, Rob Palenka, he leaves no stone unturned. He will do whatever he can to find the best move possible for the Lakers. So it would not surprise me either way if the Lakers keep the pick or trade it. All right, guys, appreciate all of you coming in with your questions and comments. We'll do this again on Thursday, again, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you're subscribing right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And while we're at it, subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel as well. Keith Smith have content coming out pretty much every single day there about the entire NBA. So we look at things from a full NBA perspective. A lot of fun, a lot to talk about right now with free agency coming up plus the draft, plus trades and all that. So make sure you check that out as well over on the NBA front office YouTube channel. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.